You're listening to the Just Giants Podcast with Grump and the Cranky Fan. Be sure to listen for free on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, and Podbean. from the seven. Vandal Jones on third down, lobs one up. There is a flag, and it is a catch by Sterling Shepard for a Giants touchdown. Welcome back to Just Giants with Grump and the Cranky Fan, the best damn podcast for the best damn football team. I am your host, the football grump, and with me as always is Mike the Cranky Fan. Oh, it's so great to be with a uh, you know, a, a multimedia star like yourself, Grump. Everywhere I look on Twitter, there you are offering far better takes than the tools that are on ESPN right now. That's that's for damn sure. I've been watching ESPN on mute. I found out that my Hulu Live doesn't cut, get to... NFL Network, so I'm stuck to choose between ESPN and ABC, and ESPN at least has Mel Kiper on it. So yeah, I'm mute uh, and just kind of jumping around uh, podcasts and stuff, and, and Twitter uh, with analysis. Yeah, well, once the smoke clears and we have some time to breathe, we'll we'll talk about just you know the extremely low expectation bar that ESPN presents every year, and at least. Never fail to not even reach that bar of ineptitude. You know, Lewis Riddick is just, you know, he's still pissed off. He didn't get the job with the Giants, takes every chance he can. And it's just, it's a cliche fest. I mean, I know there's drinking games every time they say upside or something like that. But these guys are just, ugh. I mean, it, it, Mike Greenberg to me is just like eating a stale piece of toast with no butter. So saccharine and boring. So are 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 you watching it on ESPN? You I watch. I have ESPN on. I now I take that horrible, disgusting Rays game off, and I just have highlights on the other TV right now. Why aren't you watching on NFL Network then? Because there might be a Michael Irving sighting, and I may want to oh, put my yeah. I forgot. It, I was. I might want to put my fist through the TV. It, it's you know, it's the lesser of all evils, I guess. <laughs> um. All right. So to. Day two was just as eventful as uh, day one, uh, if not doubly so. Um, Dave Gettleman, who has never traded down before, trades down a second time in the same draft and then f- follows that up by trading up. So, uh, you know, the, the big news from yesterday might get wiped out from uh, the news today. So moving down from pick 42, they traded with Miami uh, to go to pick 50. And then also received a third round pick next year from Miami. So that's a nice little value pick right there. That's awesome. You know, st- and stockpiling picks for the future. Um, I'm wondering if that was just, you know, the best they could get or if that's an angle. What do you think? Well, you know, when you stockpile trick picks for the future, it's not like, oh, I'm going to be able to draft nine guys next year and have nine guys make my roster. It's asset accumulation. It's. I have the ability now to package to move up if there's somebody I really like in 2021 or 2022. It, this is all asset accumulation. And you know, I think the bigger thing we can talk about really, which really nobody is kind of talking about, is what's the strategy? And I don't mean that in a what the fuck are we doing, but kind of like, you know, Mara made comments of, you know, the, the now's the time. And, you know, a lot of the you know, the parrots have all say the same thing, like we're going for it now. Um, you know, it's still early. You know, we've only had, a, you know, a couple of picks and, you know, but there's been a lot of activity. Do you feel that we are in a 
this is the time babe mode or do you see this as you know building for an eye for the future as much for the present how do you think this we think the strategy is at this moment i think that they've kind of towed the line here on uh there's there's some foresight here they're looking into the future a little bit i mean uh Outside of all the other offseason work with the free agency, uh, just right here in the draft, they're supplementing with people that I think can fill in right now where needed, develop eventually to replace, you can see, certain other people. Kadarius Tony is somebody that you can immediately give a package of plays to that are kind of gadgety while you work him into an NFL offense, but you can see over the course of a year or maybe two years, him filling into Sterling Shepard's role in the slot. Uh, so you have somebody who can play right now and help this team win now, you know, get better. That's an offensive weapon. Um, but also, down the line, you can see a specific spot for him to, to slide into in, in a replacement mode. And the, the Giants added um, at least one more of those today. Uh, you know, you can make an argument, I think, for the other one. So I think they've towed the line between helping right now and helping in the future. I think they're just they're just making themselves as flexible as possible because, you know, this year coming up, this team could be six and ten, mm-hmm. could be eight and eight, could be ten and six. Actually, can't be and any of those. There's seventeen. That's right. They could be none of those three. <laughs> I guarantee. Well, you never know with COVID or you know oh, who knows what stop. can happen. Don't don't put the kibosh on this. But my point being is that we don't know exactly where we're going to be twelve months from right now. And if this team all of a sudden overachieves in a relatively poor division and is ten and six, you know the outlook in 2022 is going to be a heck of a lot different than if this team is six and 11 or, you know, seven, I'm trying to do the math here. It's late. Uh, you know, <laughs> it's, it's so it, weird it, to say, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Where uh, then all of a sudden, you know, if questions become, you know, at this time next year, do we need to get a new quarterback, you know, do, things like that. So until we kind of go through the entire process of, you know, going through this draft, getting our non-drafted free agents, going through training camp, getting our 53-man, playing this season out, you know, I think you just make yourself, give yourself as many options as you can going forward. Uh, You know, we're going to be a little behind the eight ball with salary cap the next couple of years coming up. So the best way you can kind of mitigate that is having multiple picks that can be packaged, can be deferred, can be done anything. So that's it right there. Yeah, and I, I really think that Gettleman is doing the absolute right thing. I think the you know the the picks are. I don't see any reaches for a position because they have to fill a position. I don't see, you know, I don't see any panic moves. I mean, I was listening to um, Sharp yesterday, uh, Warren Sharp, on I think it was uh, Simmons podcast, and he couldn't wait to get into Gettleman for you know, sarcastically mocking him for finally trading down and then feeling like everything we did in the first round was a panic move because the guy we, we didn't want. I mean, 
Yeah, I saw also somebody pointed out on Twitter they screenshot that the mock draft on his own website had Kadarius going at twenty in a different scenario where like Carolina trades up for him. But his criticism was that getting Tony was a reach. Didn't yeah. make any sense. I mean, again, and I you know, I know we talked about this with, with Steffi and she made a pretty good point on the show is that you know people that hate Gettleman and have a hard on for him. They want to see him fail. And I'm not talking about, you know, the Twitter people out there. I'm talking about blue checkmark Twitter people, media members. Why does Warren Sharp give a shit? You know? I don't know. I, maybe he didn't get the uh, job either. Like uh, <laughs> Lou Riddick did. I, I don't, I don't know, but he was just like, Oh, there was a complete panic mode. And, you know, you know, just, just completing his narrative. And maybe because, all these guys have their own mock draft, and their mock draft gets, draft gets blown up, and they look. They look. Is that? I, I think these guys take it so personally when their when their mocks don't come out. There's nothing. Nobody's right or wrong on their mock picks. It's just, as we said a million times, everybody has different boards, yeah. and you know that's that's just the way it is. <laughs> so I, you know, on NFL.com they did grades, and again, you know, Grump and I don't believe in grades. But this is the NFL. Gave us an A plus. Yeah. For what happened yesterday. And I mean, we did too. Yeah. I, I can't so, complain about any of that. I mean, you're, I think people now, you know, it's really getting to the point now of just it's like politics. It's you've gone on your hill and you're gonna die on your hill for or against Gettleman, and now it's everybody's just being exposed on what side of the mountain they are with him, and you, you know. Give the guys some credit for so far, you know, doing doing a really good job of just, to your point, you know, with eye to the future, but considering now as well. And on that note, with uh, Dave Gettleman, it was it was the Entertainer we were talking to, right, where we said that uh, the, the the criticism that. Um, Things seem to have turned around only when Joe Judge showed up. The backhanded compliment there, that's like more compliment to Judge than it is to Gettleman. Right. Uh, from from like ridiculous people is, you know, maybe in the past Dave Gettleman, may, maybe the thing is that Dave Gettleman just works really closely with his coaches and we just have a better coach now. Yeah. And, I mean, we were all going to bitch and moan about who the last two coaches were on this team. You know, we, we, we and we also have input from our head coach from other guys who were head coaches too. He's you know, it's not just, you know, Joe Judge just doesn't walk in and he's like, I got this myself and walks into Gettleman's office and says, You yeah. do this, do this, do this. I mean, believe me, these you know, teams work as an organizational structure, much like you and me and everybody who goes to work, where, you know, people work together and it rolls up through management up until the executives and I can guarantee you that Joe Judge has a lot of input from his coordinators, his position coaches, his analysts, his you know the scouting department, everybody. So he makes his decisions. So when he huddles up with Gettleman, who's doing the same thing with his personnel, that all the arrows are in alignment. Yeah, I I mean, like you said, just give the guys some credit. Uh, and you have to credit today, you know, he, he continued to trade down. We kind of saw like a weird run on talent at the beginning of the second round there. And, um, 
there was just nobody really there was nobody there you know with the with the trade down in the first round it felt like you know the big wide receivers weren't there the people we want are just a little bit lower and they have like a premium spot right like somebody moved up for a quarterback where we were so it was like we were probably getting offers on that pick where we were in the second round was just like we don't need this right now like we can wait for what we need there's no reason for us to pick what we need here and there's nobody really want talent wise there so uh it kind of felt a little different it felt more aggressive of a trade down in my opinion um and Mm -hmm. the giants moved down eight spots they received a 2022 third round pick from miami um and they picked the edge guy that they've been connected to all the way back to like pick 11, pick 20, uh, Aziz Ojolari from Georgia. Um, edge is, is probably the only real defensive need, you could say, right? Mm-hmm. Say at this point, I'd say so. Yeah. Um, and so they, they, they addressed it with, you know, one of the top guys in the class at 50. You know, so way better value than what they were getting connected with. Uh, Ojolari, you know, I wasn't enamored with him, but I did check him off as somebody. Uh, I, I have stars around his name in my notes. Makes me think, yeah, it reminds me, that's my like cue that like I could see a connection here with the Giants, scheme-wise. Uh, and he's got great speed off the edge. He looks good in coverage. So, you know, that versatility, that disguise, so you don't have a pure speed rusher. You know that this guy could be dropping, it, it confuses the quarterbacks more. It's, you know, good thing to have. It fits our scheme. Uh, my only thing is that I think sometimes he can be manhandled, you know, in the run game. Mm-hmm. I guess my question is, if he was being connected with us around ten eleven, how did he slip? Because I think is he a victim of circumstance based on runs and other things, or is it so you know, there was injury a, injury concerns? Or there's there like an old leg injury concern that isn't a real concern, but people said that you know. He has this leg issue that wasn't reported on, uh, but it got a clean bill of health, so it shouldn't be a thing. But I think also is that like this edge class is just bad. Like he's one of the top edge in this class, but this is around where he should have been picked around fifty. And uh, you know, I think mock draft people and stuff they they get a little too locked into the best edge goes around here kind of thing. Mm-hmm. You know, I think I think NFL scouts can tell the difference, and this is where he was graded. So I think it was just he was just overblown, in my opinion. I said a lot of words to say that. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I I I didn't love him, but I could see this. It's a good pick. I I it helps us now. Say, I I think you know as you start sliding down the draft, as you get into round two, you know three, whatever. You don't necessarily have to love every pick that you have. You know, it's kind of like, okay, now you're starting to get into more. Who's on the Who's the best guy on your board? And these guys are gonna go from surefire, from stars to starters, to depth guys to et cetera. And I think what people, I, I see people freaking out like about third round picks. Like, oh my god, it's like, you have start. You're at. You have to have your expectations of where you're drafting too. You know, not every pick is going to be a 12-year starter and a Hall of Famer. You know, it's so I I think I saw some of the criticism about him, and people started freaking out. It's like, well, I think the expectation of where you're drafting this guy is a little different than if he was, you know, top five pick or top six pick. 
Yeah, there's that. That too, definitely. Um, I don't know. I, I, I just, I want to see, you know, last year going into the year, there was a lot of hype about Lorenzo Carter and, you know, how he had developed and he ended up getting hurt really early. We didn't get to see that, but I'm not sure how much better Ojolari is than that. I think, I think he's like on that level. Everybody else thinks I'm wrong, thinks he's better than that. So, you know, hopefully I'm wrong, right? Well, I mean, they're going to battle it out in camp and you're going to have, you know, if one is slightly better than the other, you're going to have mighty nice depth. Yeah. In a, in a it, position. It definitely doesn't hurt, yeah. In a position where we've all been clamoring is, you know, the biggest need is especially on defense. So you're going to have a, a guy who's going to at least push Lorenzo Carter. Carter will have a a full off season, will be healthy, a, a real chance to compete and really show what he can do. And he'll now be really pushed, where he may not have been pushed last year either. Yeah, that could be, and uh, you know, competition always works, especially with a coach like Judge. You get the sense that the competition is for real. He doesn't give a shit, you know, what your draft status was and how much you're being paid. He's gonna he's gonna pick the best guy. Mm-hmm. Um, following that, the Giants in the third round traded up. So Dave Gettleman has traded up in the past. We know that he's traded back into the first round. You know, so this is not this is not uncharted territory like the trade downs, but still signifying some some level of aggression here. Um, yesterday, or you guys are listening to this, whatever day one, that trade back from where the hell did we go? We went from eleven to twenty. Twenty. Yeah. yeah. Um, that got us a. Um, some some picks next year, uh, a first rounder next year, a first rounder next year, a fourth rounder next year, but also a fifth rounder this year. So that's that's an additional pick that we weren't, you know, that we didn't normally have. Uh, so we traded that to move up five spots to pick at seventy one with Denver. Um, and you'd think at this point, like, yeah, we're trading up for an offensive lineman. No. They traded up and they got cornerback Aaron Robinson from UCF. This is interesting to me because you know Dallas is a mess, right, on defense. Mm-hmm. Um, you know they they took Parsons in the in the first round. A lot of people think that they were really really pissed that both Sertain and Horn were off the board. So in the second round they picked that dopey corner from Kentucky that I have rated <laughs> much lower. <laughs> uh, and they missed out on Aaron Robinson, but they were about to pick again, so they totally could have had them at similar grades and just go back to back corner. And uh, the Giants jumped him. And um, after getting a Dory Jackson, I didn't think that the Giants were really going to target uh, an outside corner. So I tried to focus on the slot corners. I did my research on all of them, but I tried to focus on guys who were the slot to pay extra attention to because I think that, you know, Darnay Holmes is a guy that's versatile. He can switch to the outside if need be, but he's kind of like your nickel. But, like, that dime corner, you know, that other nickel corner or the backup nickel at least, you know, who is that? Is that Julian Love? That was a spot that I felt could be upgraded, and then Darnay Holmes, you know, if he moves out of the nickel spot, you can move this dime person into the nickel spot, whatever. So, uh, Aaron Robinson, 
I really liked him. He was my favorite nickel corner on there. Um, He's a guy that was originally from Bama and transferred too. So yeah. you know, do you remember it, him when he was at Bama? No, I don't. Okay. I mean, Jesus Christ, there's so many first round picks and so much talent that they I'm all. Not, I didn't look into how much he played there. I don't. Re- I don't remember honestly, but you know, if Bama is coming a calling when you're in high school, that tells me that uh, you know that's elite. At least expectation is elite. You know, not everybody pans out. Obviously, and everybody becomes a first-round pick when you go to Bama. And obviously, he transferred away. And part of that might have been, you know, due to, you know, look who's ahead of him in those years. <laughs> but don't look at it as a, as a guy from UCF. Look at it as a guy who was recruited by Bama. Yeah, and he wasn't kicked out of Bama or anything like that either. Yeah, he could just transferred. I mean, so many people now use the transfer portal. It's it's a slight it's, – it's not at all a stigma that it was maybe 10 years ago that guys are transferring and skipping out a year and stuff. Yeah, but I, I just wanted to clarify this wasn't like a uh, Janoris Jenkins – you see him at UF and then you see him at northern Alabama. Kind of <laughs> exactly. This was an he actual transfer. He didn't get thrown out and that's where all you can go. Yeah. So you know, I, I think that's important, especially because like UCF guys, I feel like the – Standard is a little lower. Oh sure. Um, I mean, like, they're they're UF rejects, you know, in the classroom and on the field. You know, you, I mean, I you show me one guy that picked UCF over UF or Florida State or Miami in recruiting, and I'll that'll be the first one you've ever seen. Yeah, I mean, so I I don't know. Usually when I see, uh, you know, UF guys, I mean, like Brandon Marshall went to UF, right? No. So, so many years ago. Are you sure? Wide receiver? No. He didn't go to UF. No. I'm, oh, sorry. UCF. UCF is what I'm trying to say. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. I think he went to UCF. Mm. Um, You know, he's kind of a head case in the NFL. Um, Mike Hughes, the corner, he's a little bit of a head case. Um, so I, I just get worried with UCF guys. <laughs> and uh, there's nothing to worry about as far as anything I read with Aaron Robinson. Yeah. I uh, did. Yeah, it's not necessarily a knock. I mean, UCF isn't last chance you. No. You know, but it's they do have lower academic standards than the SEC does. And um, but also, you know, some of these guys, you know, for whatever reason, they want to be close to their home and they want to play immediately and they want to get there. You know, UCF, we make fun of them all the time for their self-proclaimed national championships, but they've been a pretty solid team the last five years or so. Yeah. I mean, they probably could beat a lot of mid-tier um, Power Five conference teams, so they're 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 no joke for a while. Um, so I wouldn't knock it at all. You, once you have a talented like uh, team like that, you get people like Aaron Robinson who transfer because they want playing time, and they're mm-hmm. gonna they're more likely to transfer to a a school that's not, you know. Uh, I would say like a lower division powerhouse. They're more likely to go there, right? And just re- remember, when these re- when these coaches come to your living room to recruit you, they're going to tell you anything to get you to go there. Yeah. You know, you're going to start. You know, they may – a lot of guys miss here. You'll get every opportunity to start to you will start. And these prima donnas who have had their asses kicked, you know, kissed from seventh grade and all of a sudden it's that first – week on campus and all of a sudden they are the low man on the totem pole who has to carry the equipment. Some of these guys can't handle that. 
Hmm. And, you know, we're not saying that's the case with him, but guys also mature over four years. That's the most – the biggest change in your life of those four years you go away to school and you may go in as a boy, but you may come out as a man too. So I think also wanting the playing time is, is wanting to put film out there. Right? I mean, of course, sure. Not, not, not necessarily just being like, oh man, I got to sit on the bench. This is bullshit. Like, I mean, I'm sure that happens, but I think also some of that it's happens. just like, yeah. you know, if I'm, if I have any shot at the NFL, they need to see me play. You know what I mean? And just, you know, those Bama guys, and I, I can understand, you know, some of those Bama guys, they only get one year. Look so at Kyle Trask. What happens if you get hurt that one year? That's yeah. the year you get hurt. You have no other film for NFL, you know, teams to look at. So I get transferring out of those situations. I get it. Look at a look at a guy like Kyle Trask. I mean, talk about a guy who just needed a chance to play, was a a career backup in high school, and a backup at UF for you know two and a half years or, or two years plus. Now look at him. He's backing up Tom Brady. He is you know a second round pick who is in a probably can't be in a better situation. We said that about Josh Rosen, didn't we? Uh, What do you mean? I I feel like we say that about every single quarterback that's ever been drafted behind Tom Brady. It was like uh, Brian Hoyer and Jimmy Garoppolo. It's like, oh, wow, he couldn't possibly be in a better situation. I mean, you're right. It's just – it's funny. I I, I, I feel like I've said this. Unless Brady decides to play till he's 54, then then it was a bad situation. But – I've also noticed, too, that a lot of these guys who backed up Brady still get pretty decent contracts. I mean, guys like Garoppolo oh, yeah. and, you know, um, all of these guys, they they, 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 they they bounce around the league somewhere. Hoyer, after, I mean, Hoyer, yeah. Hoyer got a decent contract to go to the Browns, and then he tore his ACL. So he, you know, he would have gotten more money, I think. He's, he's still fucking kicking. So right. it's his second ACL tear in that same right. knee. I mean, Garoppolo also, I mean, it just, the word gets out around the league about what you do in practice and in the film you're putting up and all these different things. It's not the airtight camps and the airtight practices that coaches would like it to be. I mean, word spreads. And you heard out about Garoppolo immediately. You heard the whispers of, hey, this guy's pretty good. This guy's a starter. Yeah. And then the legend grows a bit too. And your agent kind of massages that into maybe legend as opposed to just, you know, honest analysis. Also, uh, Jimmy Garoppolo's contract was just ridiculous in general. (laughs) Oh, of course. Yeah, I mean, like, just, that was like, I don't care who the backup was. Like, that was, he was like the highest paid quarterback in the league, right? I believe. His initial uh, contract? I believe so, yeah. That's insane anyway, but whatever. Um, I don't know how we got there, but with Aaron Robinson, uh, this is a guy that I like down around the, the line of scrimmage, and um, he is, you know, for the later round players, the guys that you are like, oh, we can give him some time to develop or whatever, one of the main things I look for are people who play at 100 miles an hour, they're like really aggressive. I like people that hit. Football's a game of hitting, so like if you're a wide receiver, you hit with your blocks, right? If you're you know, a center, you hit out of your stance to block. And if you're a corner or whatever, you run down and make tackles. So often we see corners especially, but also linebackers, their tackle is to, like, get hit and kind of get run over but keep it's your to push. around them. 
That's their block. That's they, their tackle push. Yeah, they just kind of get run over, and there's a big difference between tackling there, where they get an extra like two yards, versus somebody who comes flying downhill and knocks the running back backwards. You know what I'm saying? Those are the guys I want. I want guys that hit. Aaron Robinson hits, man. That's like my favorite thing about this dude. Uh, he's a little like too much, like a little like out of control. He's got that's like a big criticism I have of him is that. They're going to have to get him to slow down just a little bit because he'll overrun some fakes and some plays. Other than that, the only knock on him is that he's not super-duper athletic. He's just average speed, average quickness. It's not a knock. It's just not special. Again, we're, we're you know, we're not drafting him like we're not drafting Kadarius Tony to come in and be number ones. We're coming in. We're, we're, we're taking the guy because we want him to be part of the mix, to be part of a rotation. You know, he's not going to be the guy who's going to be covering wide receiver one on day one. So, you know, keeping that thought in mind, you know, the pick looks more and more attractive. And my fear about, you know, the secondary in the corners was that, yeah, we made these moves in the offseason, but still felt if anybody goes down, I was not comfortable at all with was backing them up. Now I'm feeling it's more and more fortified all the time. We also may not be done back there either, whether it's, you know, later on in the draft or is, you know, a, a non-drafted guy may come in as well. Maybe. Yeah. I mean, I think they'll definitely add somebody, but I don't know that that's like, like, is that going to be like a legit DB or is that going to be like a special teams? Cause like, you know, like a lot of special teams guys are DBs or linebackers, right? So like, mm-hmm. They'll probably bring someone in, but like it may not be like a real competition for like a DB spot. It may not be, but again, it's 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 to push these guys also and just to see yeah, what they have. But, yeah. but like, I think that's like already kind of happening, right? Like you said that with the edge dudes, but like, um, you know, you have like you got kind of a crowded defensive backfield, right? Like Julian Love, like where does he, Sam Beal? Like Sam Beal is gonna have to like. He's going to have to have some hell of a camp. Is this kind of what we want, though? I mean, this is exactly what we want to have. I'm not complaining. I'm just saying these guys that we already like, like we like Julian Love because he's versatile. And, you know, when he fills in for Jabril Peppers, he's real good and stuff. You know, this is somebody we may have to say goodbye to this year. Yeah, that's good. It's it's crazy, but it's good. It's just one of those things. It just, you know, that's how they're getting better. That's you just said what I was about to say. That means we're no longer going from we're getting away from the rebuild mode to the refine mode. Is you know when guys we like and we've been kind of riding with as you know the development happens, suddenly we got better players and we may have to say farewell to them. But you know that means the team is getting better and getting deeper because getting deeper is almost as important as getting better too. Guys that can, if somebody's hurt for a week or two weeks or six weeks, he can fit right in. And there's not the obvious, they're picking on this guy the first snap he's in the game. That's what we have to get to. Yeah. And I think that's what we're going to keep getting to this uh, this offseason. We still have, you know, tomorrow, day three of the draft, we still, we still have um, fourth, a fifth, and a sixth. We traded our fifth. That's right. So just a fourth and two sixths. Um, 
So we're you know we have that tomorrow, and then you know after the draft, there's the undrafted free agent guys, and then there's that second wave of free agency where the final holes are are filled up. So we can That's look right. forward to all that. Yeah, hey Grump, one more thing I want to just add about Kadarius Tony that um, you know I, my defense of him about the the nonsense about him being a uh, a potential risk because of character issues. There was an incident that did happen back in 2018. Um, actually two, but they weren't really incidences, but they were headlines. Um, Tony, along with like three or four other Gators, got into like a paintball fight with some non-football players on campus, and the cops were called for it, but they were paintball guns. And the second thing was, later on that summer, he got pulled over. Wait, 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 wait. I just want to clarify that because I'm confused. They got they were they were just like playing like just they were just shooting paintball with friends that were no, football no. players or this was no, like a legitimate retaliation attempt. It was like a beef they had with some non football players and they were gotcha. shooting like uh, uh like paintball like air gun type things. Yeah, no, I, I all right, okay. I just wanted to know the nature of it if it was like aggressive or playful. Right, no, no, no. It was it, the cops came, but nobody got arrested or anything. And then two months later, that same summer. He got stopped by the cops for not wearing his seatbelt, and they found uh, a, a rifle in his back seat. And um, registered or something? It was registered. Okay. And he was—he um, didn't violate. There's an open carry law in Florida, and he didn't violate that law, so he was let go. So why was it relevant that he had a rifle? Like, why was it felt? Why did people feel the need to? Report that. We report that 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 it happened. I don't. Well, that's what I mean. Like, why is that a relevant detail? Because that's Gains- like, I mean, the Gainesville police have their own hard on against the University of Florida and football players for years, where they are very, very aggressive with minor things that are blown up way out of proportion with some of these guys. Where in other schools throughout the SEC. And the South, they go get covered up. Like the, the the GPD does not work in tandem with UF to give every, the, the football team every opportunity to succeed. I'll, I'll leave it at that. Um, but you know, he filed. He was never arrested. Charges were never filed. He didn't break any laws. But he had a gun in his back seat. So. You, you understand how weird that is as like a headline, right? Like I'm just going to compare yeah. it to something else, right? It's just like, you know, uh, football grump was was pulled over uh, for like a minor, you know, license plate obstruction or whatever. And uh, upon his his pulled over, he had alcohol in the car, but it was all canned and he had just purchased it. So they let him go because that's not breaking a law. Like it's just such a random thing to say. Like, I, I don't understand. Like, if he didn't break the law, why was it even brought up? The headline exactly. seems, like, super biased. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. It's ridiculous. I mean, I'm looking right here on NewJersey.com. This is their headline. In Kadarius Tony, Giants draft a player with off-field issues, but still don't think he's the next DeAndre Baker. I mean... Where did we leap all of a sudden to DeAndre Baker? Because they're both black. They're there, both. There was played, a gun involved. Both in the South. I mean, that's it. I mean, DeAndre Baker is going through the legal process for this thing. 
you know, an illegal process played out. There was no legal process for Kadarius Tony. And I'm not saying this to be the chief uh, defendant for all things Florida Gator. These are facts. Mm. So, you know, are, are they ideal situations when there's smoke, there's fire? Not possibly. But there was no fire that was reported by the fire department. <laughs> you know, so it's just like, let's, let's, before we go crazy, but thinking that we he should have 24 seven people protecting him from himself. Let's, you know, let's put this all into, into some kind of perspective. What they, actually, they were ready to write that article for Micah Parsons. And then that fell through. So they had to, they had to shoot it into Kadarius Tony. You know, and if we didn't have DeAndre Baker, we didn't have the kickers with the domestic violence. We you know those things didn't happen. This is not even brought up as anything. Yeah. And you know something? You can't say in the same thing that they reached by getting a guy who's a risk when, you know, other people think that we reached to get him in the first round. Yeah. I mean, his stock was rising throughout the process. wasn't falling. He didn't uh, go from being the potential sixth pick in the draft down to the second round because of character issues. If anything, his stock was going up. Silly, man. But you know what? This is the this is the penance you pay when you have those dopey, you know, issues in the past, the the black marks on your franchise, and you work your way through it. You know? Yeah. You know something if he keeps his nose clean, he plays pretty well. It's a forgotten story. I mean, yeah. You think any Tampa Bay Bay Tampa Bay Buck fan when um, they're going to their Super Bowl parade with Warren Sapp gives one rat's ass about he smoked some weed so he dropped from two to seven? No, he was a he lived a pretty clean life when he played. He was a prick afterwards, but you know he he kept his nose clean and that was that. Yeah. Well. That's kind of going to do it for this episode. Um, we're going to have a complete breakdown of uh, all the draft picks next week, early next week, your normal Monday, Tuesday show. Um, <laughs> we're going to shoot to, we're going to shoot to record on Sunday evening. Yeah. If our skills work out to get it in your inboxes on Monday. Um, or if we have, if we have to break up the two parts, we, you know, the first part will be out there. We'll do our best. Yeah. We'll, we'll get something out there Monday, but um yeah, and uh, that'll be a, a real complete thing. So we'll we'll go over these players more, less so the draft moves or these trades and whatever. But you know, I'll refresh myself even more on these guys so I can get you know a real complete scouting report on them. And then obviously the day three draft picks and undrafted free agents that are signed or rumored to have signed because it's like a four day reporting event. We'll go over those guys as well. Um, and you know, in between, obviously, I will be watching the draft and stuff. Just because there's no episodes doesn't mean anything. So you can find me on Twitter at football underscore grump throughout the draft. Check me as always at the cranky fan. I'll be watching as well. And uh, be sure and check you know all of our friends on Twitter that you know we've kind of been getting closer with. You know the Bobby Skinners of the world. They're putting out some really good content you now and talking Giants. And you might even see a grump or two on one of those shows uh, sneaking up for a live. Uh, live show so uh you yeah, know. If, if, if you guys are listening to this on or like during or before today today's day three whatever i will be on uh the talking giants live stream on youtube and twitter i think also uh at some point talking talking picks so 
Yeah, I mean, there. these guys... If, you, if you're listening these, to this in time. Yeah, these guys are all good. And, you know, like we always say, we want Giant fans to win any argument against any other fan base. So the more of these shows that you listen and watch to, and the more you read good, you know, content that's being put out, you know, and, and spend less time watching these assholes on ESPN or the, the hacks that are doing the, the daily newspapers, you're going to be smarter. So I... I all I can say is just get as much content as you can from. There's a lot of good people out there putting out a lot of good stuff. Grump is, you know, leading right there with the best of all of them. I do what I can, but uh, yeah. So you can see me there, uh, but also, as always, you can find this, you know, show on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Spotify. Uh, make sure you subscribe so that Monday episode uh, is just sitting there waiting for you when you wake up Monday morning. Sounds good. All right. That's going to do it. Go Giants. Go Giants.